A U.S. soldier set himself on fire in protest outside of Israel's embassy in Washington, D.C. He shouted, free Palestine, and he said that he would not be complicit in U.S.-sponsored genocide in Gaza. This was a deeply symbolic protest that recalls the people who set themselves on fire in protest of the U.S. war on Vietnam. However, if you only read the headlines of major newspapers in the U.S., you would have no idea why this U.S. soldier committed suicide. Major media outlets like the New York Times published very vague headlines titled, Man dies after setting himself on fire outside Israeli embassy in Washington, police say. The Washington Post wrote, Airman dies after setting himself on fire outside Israeli embassy in D.C. CNN had basically the same headline, U.S. Airman dies after setting himself on fire outside Israeli embassy in Washington. And Israeli media outlets were the same. They did not explain what happened. The Jerusalem Post wrote, U.S. Air Force soldier sets himself on fire outside Israeli embassy in D.C. No explanation of why. However, compare it to how the Western media covers Russia, and you can see that it's completely different, showing blatant double standards. In 2020, a Russian journalist set herself on fire. She was being investigated and charged by the Russian government. And in protest, she committed suicide. And the New York Times headline was, Russian journalist sets herself on fire and dies blaming government. Let's look at these two headlines back to back, and we can see very clearly how the media pushes particular perspectives that advance the interests of Western foreign policy, in particular U.S. foreign policy. The headline on the Russian journalist notes that she blamed the government, and it was a protest. The headline on the U.S. soldier who committed suicide in protest of genocide in Gaza makes no mention of the fact that it was a protest, makes no mention of his political motivations. Let's look at another example, this time from the BBC, British state media. The first headline is titled, Irina Slavina, final protest of Russian journalist who set herself on fire, noting that it was a protest. And yet here's their other headline, Aaron Bushnell, U.S. airman dies after setting himself on fire outside Israeli embassy in Washington. Why? Was it a protest? Was it politically motivated? He died? What, what, what happened? Here we can see a blatant example of the hypocrisy of the Western media, which is very clearly biased in the interests of U.S. foreign policy, and Israel is one of Washington's most important allies, and the corporate media constantly spreads unsubstantiated claims made by U.S. and Israeli government officials without any evidence, and it echoes their claims, reporting them as if they were facts, while showing extreme bias against Palestinians and anyone who is mildly sympathetic to the struggle of Palestinians against apartheid, colonialism, and genocide. Now, people might say, well, you're only looking at the headlines, which is misleading. But as the Washington Post acknowledged, in the United States, the vast majority of people only read the headlines. The Washington Post cited a 2014 study from the American Press Institute, which found that only four out of 10 Americans report that they delve deeper into a news subject beyond the headlines. That is to say, 
60% roughly of people in the United States do not read past the headlines. So when there are misleading headlines like this, they don't know what's happening. In fact, another study published two years later came to the same conclusion as the Washington Post acknowledged in another article titled, six in 10 of you will share this link without reading it. And they found a study by computer scientists at Columbia University and the French National Institute who found that 59% of links shared on social media have never actually been clicked. People share them only reading the headline. So let's take a look at this New York Times report and we can see a case study in propaganda. Now, I've already established that only around 40% of people will actually read past the New York Times headline. And if you read the, the article, which was published on the 25th of February, you can see that in the first four paragraphs, they don't mention why this U.S. airman, Aaron Bushnell, committed suicide, why he set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy. They just say that he died of his injuries, that he was in the cyber defense operations for the U.S. Air Force. If you read past the four paragraphs and past a big ad, so you're already going to lose the vast majority of readers. And finally, in the fifth paragraph, the New York Times quotes this soldier who committed suicide, and he said in a video that he live-streamed on Twitch, quote, I will no longer be complicit in genocide. I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest, but compared to what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers, it's not extreme at all. And finally, in the sixth paragraph, they mentioned that he yelled free Palestine. They don't mention that in the first four paragraphs of this article. So only a small percentage of people who read this article will actually figure out what's happening. This is propaganda. And as if that weren't enough, in this article, when they quote him saying, I will no longer be complicit in genocide, the journalist at the New York Times very euphemistically says that he was echoing language that opponents of Israel's military offensive in Gaza have used. I mean, this is outrageous. The New York Times conveniently does not mention that the top court at the United Nations, the International Court of Justice located at The Hague, has said very clearly that there is sufficient evidence to investigate Israel on charges of genocide. This is not just the opinion of people who oppose Israel's war on Gaza. And even Amnesty International, the leading human rights organization, published a, note, a press release saying that Israel is defying the ruling by the ICJ, the International Court of Justice, which called for Israel to prevent genocide, and Israel is failing to allow adequate humanitarian aid to reach Gaza. Amnesty International noted that a month after the Hague's ruling, Israel has failed to take even the bare minimum steps to comply and, quote, Israel has continued to disregard its obligation as the occupying power to ensure the basic needs of Palestinians in Gaza are met. Instead, Amnesty International pointed out that Israel has carried out relentless bombardment 
preventing life-saving goods and services from reaching a population at risk of genocide and on the brink of famine, and Israel is tightening its 16-year-long illegal blockade. Those are the words of the leading Western human rights organization, Amnesty International. But go back to the New York Times propaganda, and they say that when this U.S. soldier committed suicide in protest and accused Israel of genocide, he was, quote, echoing the language that opponents of Israel's military offensive in Gaza have used. Is the ICJ, the top UN court, the International Court of Justice, an opponent of Israel? Is Amnesty International an opponent of Israel? This is not journalism. This is war propaganda in defense of genocide. The New York Times is complicit in spreading propaganda to justify crimes against humanity and what the top UN court at The Hague has said can constitute charges of potential genocide. In fact, the New York Times has been exposed this February because one of its journalists who's reporting on the war in Gaza, the genocide in Gaza, is herself genocidal, and she has repeatedly liked tweets that called for turning Gaza into a slaughterhouse. This is a journalist at the New York Times. I'm reading here from the Daily Beast. It notes that the New York Times is investigating Israeli freelancer Anat Schwartz after she repeatedly liked multiple X posts, that is Twitter posts, that indicated a pro-Israel bias, including one that called for the Gaza Strip to be turned into a slaughterhouse. These are the genocidal propagandists working for the New York Times. And by the way, this Israeli so-called journalist who works for the New York Times also caused a huge scandal because she wrote a completely bogus story that was debunked accusing the Palestinian armed group Hamas of mass sexual violence without any evidence whatsoever. This is a lie that was spread by the Israeli regime, by the U.S., by Joe Biden. And The Intercept, another mainstream U.S. media outlet, noted that the New York Times pulled, it retracted a high-profile episode of its podcast, The Daily, about alleged sexual violence perpetrated by Hamas on October 7th amid a furious internal debate about the strength of the paper's original reporting on the subject. Many people at the New York Times acknowledged internally there was no evidence of this. It's not journalism. It's war propaganda. And that's why they retracted this report. And the so-called journalist who did this is now being investigated for liking tweets that call for turning Gaza into a slaughterhouse. But compare the New York Times' propagandistic coverage of Israel to its coverage of Russia, and it's night and day. The New York Times is a propaganda organ for the U.S. government. In 2022, the New York Times had no problem accusing Russia of genocide in Ukraine. Here's an article the New York Times published in 2022 titled, President Biden accuses Russia of committing genocide in Ukraine. They don't use any of the euphemistic language saying that this is what opponents of Russia's war on Ukraine says, echoing their language. No, they say Biden says Russia's committing genocide in Ukraine. The New York Times has also published numerous reports and videos quoting the Ukrainian leader, Vladimir Zelensky, who also claims that Russia is committing genocide in Ukraine without a shred of pushback against this. What all of this shows is that the so-called independent media in the West is not independent. It is a propaganda apparatus for Western governments 
advancing their foreign policy interests. We saw a clear example of this in 2019 when the New York Times communications account on Twitter admitted publicly that they describe sensitive articles to the U.S. government before publication. They allow the U.S. government to review their articles before publication to see if there are any so-called national security concerns. This is state media. This is not independent. And yet the New York Times constantly tries to fundraise claiming we're independent media. In fact, a former longtime New York Times reporter, James Risen, left the New York Times and joined The Intercept, and he published an article titled The Biggest Secret, My Life as a New York Times Reporter in the Shadow of the War on Terror, and he showed how the New York Times collaborates with the U.S. government. He wrote, quote, editors at the New York Times were quite willing to cooperate with the government he noted that U.S. government officials regularly engaged in quiet negotiations with the press to try to stop the publication of sensitive national security stories, referring to an informal arrangement between the media and the government. And he said that he, as a journalist, usually went along with these negotiations, including with the CIA, helping the CIA censor information that could damage so-called national security. The U.S. media is not independent. It's not free. It's not even private. It is state media. But like many things in the U.S., the profits are privatized, but all of the operations advance U.S. government interests. So this coverage of Israel shows this is simply propaganda. And if you only read the headlines, you will have no idea of what's going on. And even if you read past the headlines and read many of the articles, if you don't have a critical view, if you don't have background knowledge, if you don't read other information, you will be hopelessly confused. That's what I try to do here at Geopolitical Economy Report is provide the larger context that is ignored and distorted by the mainstream corporate media. If you like the work that we do, please like and share this. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video, please subscribe. And if you prefer listening, check out the Geopolitical Economy Report podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. I will see you next time.